0: Hey everyone! I'm your host, Frozen Fallout, and welcome to Crossing Darkness, a podcast about the role-playing games inside of the world of Darkness. We're broadcasting over Twitch every Sunday, 7 p.m. to 7:30 p.m. Uh, we might be extending that to about 7:45 p.m. these days, and um, we are open with uh, chatting with any of the fans with the uh, in the show here um this is uh season two episode 10 uh, we will be doing uh, wraith the oblivion today um so my co-host with me today is Motorori, who helped me create this podcast and um, has worked with me on a 40 person four table gen con event that involved *Mage the ascension werewolf the apocalypse hunter the reckoning and vampire the masquerade um, how's it going mike how you been doing this week
1: oh pretty good uh you know working all over the place and avoiding the plague yeah (laughs) that's pretty good and uh let's see on on your recommendation i finally watched uh what's out there of star Trek discovery and that was pretty good yeah binged all six episodes last night
0: i've been really liking star trek discovery for sure um So you've been doing a lot of reading on Wraith recently, too,
1: uh, I I hear. Uh, Yeah, I think I got through about 40 pages of the book today. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, so... That's um... pretty fast for me.
0: Yeah, today's episode. So we're gonna focus on Wraith the Oblivion. Um, it has been pointed out to us that we haven't done an episode that's focused at all, or really even talked about much um, at all throughout our all of our podcast about Wraith the Oblivion, um, and this episode is specifically to rectify that. Um, so I find the fascinating er, uh, the setting itself extremely fascinating. Um, it's you know I find it Interesting that for, to a certain degree, it's hard for my mind to wrap around the concept of, you know, a, an afterlife that's filled with politics and conflict and struggle, um, you know, with your inner darkness, this this shadow that you have when you die that's trying to drag you and others into oblivion. Um, so, I but I do think that Wraith, you know, is one of the games that... Um, it just really does the afterlife really well um and has a really deep rich history of what the afterlife is um
1: yeah. so what
0: what do you think of Wraith from what you've learned
1: uh i mean i definitely find it interesting um it's it's built to be an emotional game which i think every video and podcast that i've watched about it in the past week has basically gotten into that aspect of this is not uh, your typical D D esque uh, combat travel commerce kind of thing. This is this is different because you're playing somebody that's dead. Um and I think I've tried to play it once. I think you ran a game uh with me and my friends.
0: Yeah, I think we ran think a, that a small game, um, and it was that lasted
1: one, two sessions.
0: Yeah, it lasted a couple of sessions, and it was really uh, we we scaled down the whole thing and just kind of focused on being a ghost more than a, yeah. the wraith society aspect.
1: Yeah. Um, do you mind if I ask you a series of questions to just kind of uh, uh, kind of introduce the the beginning of the game? No, go ahead. OK, so let me see if I can phrase this properly. Um, so everybody in the world of darkness dies eventually. Does everybody become a wraith?
0: Um, so according to um, you know information that I've been reading, the concept is is that not everybody becomes a wraith. Um, they're... The
1: ones that don't, where do they go?
0: So there's, there's a lot of debate about that um you know so some believe you know that um so there's a couple different philosophies here the pre- predominant one is that they they probably just go to oblivion and you know just immediately are sucked into oblivion because they weren't passionate enough to t- to stay alive um didn't have a a, a a strong enough passion for life to to pull themselves out or to keep themselves from being pulled into oblivion. Other people believe in reincarnation and um, you know, other things of um, you know, maybe you just go straight to your heaven or your hell, you know, maybe this is a just a way station to your um to your afterlife, your true afterlife. Um, and but there's no consensus at all nobody really knows what yeah what
1: i think i think what i read is if if people if souls do go to those places nobody's ever come back to to let anybody know uh i think the the other possibility was they transcend which again nobody knows whether or not that's true
0: or what happens Uh, if you transcend
1: yeah it's some people say it's heaven some people say it's just not that i don't know uh but anyway, so so this, the the people that do become wraiths, where do they show up?
0: So the basis of it is that once you've died, you know the the, the time of your death. Um, if you become a wraith, you basically become a. Um, You become a wraith but you're more you're more ghost than you are wraith i would say you're kind of in a dreamlike state you have this uh this call that's on uh on you that um basically stops you from being able to see the world properly um and you you stay in this kind of like you know drug-induced like you know dreamlike state that you kind of just wander in the shadowlands um so a a different um so you know, reality and earth and you know the living world. And then when you die, you go to a, a realm that's you know basically a mirror image of our universe, or our living world. But in in this world, everything looks decayed and dying. And when you look at even the living, they they look you know extremely elderly or even dead already.
1: Um. I thought I thought that that was only if they were near death. That they started looking different.
0: Uh, that could be possible. Like, uh, Not a hundred percent, but but you do see you have. I mean, well, all wraith have death sight that you kind of are able to see.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so the uh, so you kind of wake up and you've got this. It's like a sack of uh, ectoplasm, and I believe some people are able to get it off themselves, but other people are uh, like found by these reapers, right? Right, and I
0: don't know they uh so first edition from what I was reading, and I'm more of an under- i have a deep more deeper understanding of wraith from a first edition point of view than uh from later editions um because it's kind of the book that I've always had, and i've um you know haven't picked up a lot of wraith books throughout my time um but uh i've i I loved the setting, but I didn't need to know more about the rules and stuff because I didn't use it a whole bunch or play it a whole bunch. Um, yeah. but from my understanding in first edition is they talk about how, um, mainly it's only Reapers that will, you know, do this. Like people don't usually, like there's a whole introduction into the society of Wraith basically that's done by Reapers. Now it not necessarily. it's not necessarily that a Reaper will find you. Anybody can find you and do this, you know, get rid of this call for you. Um, but. A lot of it is about you know capturing these new souls and turning them into coins. Truthfully, like and other things.
1: Uh, yeah. Or making although them think, slaves. You know. Yeah. Um. Although I think we can get to that later, because because once you so now you're in what we call the the shadowlands, which is the um the dark reflection of what. What we would consider our Earth, right, mm-hmm. and and that's different from the Umbra. Sometimes we call it the Dark Umbra, right. and and that's different from the Spirit Umbra that we're familiar with with uh, werewolf, right? The natural um, Umbra, yeah. So now uh, I I read something in the book that like it's so the Shadowlands are kind of a one to one for the uh, for the Earth. So in theory, in the Shadowlands, I could walk from you know New York. All the way to you know somewhere in Europe, if I could find the right land bridges theoretically, um, But there's there's another part of the the underworld called the tempest.
0: And things do get kind of wonky in the wilderness and stuff. Uh, cities are, I would like to say that cities are more one to one, but even travel between cities is is not necessarily one to one.
1: Um, yeah it can it can get kind of uh wonky based on consensus and uh understanding and emotion
0: yeah and the 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 veil or the uh um oh what the heck is it called uh, uh shroud the shroud is weak in the you know in areas that don't have a lot of life um and so you know those are and, and the wilderness to, to a certain degree. So, um, you know, large stretches of land between, um, these places are also places where a lot of specters and other stuff will, will show up. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into that, uh, I think more. So, uh, any other questions?
1: Uh, I, th- I think those are the ones that kind of introduce the, like, as you become a wraith, this, these are the things that you find, you, you know, yep. call shadow lands, uh, or yeah, Shadowlands, and then
0: so and thing, then
1: kind of this idea of the tempest is somewhere
0: right, and then yeah, underneath that is like a tempest, and that's where the like you know the rest of the Deep Umbra, you know, if you would just say you know it's similar, very similar to the Deep Umbra, it has its own realms inside of the this uh, tempest um, called the um, the Far Shores. Um, And these all have, and there's also these shining ones that exist out there that, you know, are the quote unquote gods, basically, of these uh, far realm or far shore realms that exist. Um, And there's a whole thing dealing with that. Um, But yeah, the main thing is, yeah, you you become, you know, you become a wraith, you kind of hang out in this dreamlike state for a while, a few days, maybe a few weeks, and then you, you know, you get found by another wraith. And they either turn you into a coin, and if you're going to play a character, you probably didn't have that happen to you. You probably got introduced into actual society. Um, and there's there's a whole society of wraith that, you know, there's necropolises, there's jobs that are going on, and there's a whole fight that's happening with these, um, a constant war that is happening between Oblivion and the wraith and it's all throughout history that is the center focus. Regardless of everything else that's going on, all Wraith agree that we're fighting the specters, like that, you know, um, in the end, we don't want the specter, you know, what what they do, you know, in the meantime, you know, how they gather their power and stuff, but there is a pretty singular goal of hold back the specters from destroying all of society um, that the Wraith have created, basically. Um, And so one thing that I just want to uh, really quick take a side note here, um, quick sidebar, is that a word of warning to all the necromancers out there that play a lot of other games, um, to people that GM to give some warning to your necromancers that are out there, wraith are... there's not a whole ton of of wraith. There is a lot of wraith, but each wraith is is pretty freaking important. Um, And it's really hard to just, you know... A lot of people are like, okay, I can just... If somebody died, I can get a hold of their their uh, Wraith using necromancy. Because almost everything in the world of darkness, when it deals with talking to ghosts and stuff, is talking to Wraith and and um, you know enslaving Wraith and all this kind of aspects. But a lot of these games don't delve into that there's a whole society of Wraith that exists. And usually one Wraith... There are loners for sure that exist out there um just like every society but most wraith are going to be part of a society and it's very possible that you're going to piss off a lot of people uh, authority figures that you know even if they're a lowly wraith if you go and enslave a lowly wraith their boss you know their the person that you know is uh in charge of them in any way shape or form is probably going to want to come looking for him (laughs) and it's going to want to mess with the human that's, you know, the necro... Because there's a whole rule of don't mess with the, shat- uh, the the skin lands. But that doesn't count if you're a necromancer that's fucking with the shadow lands. Like, they will put all of their might and... Wraith have crazy-ass powers. You don't want to fuck with Wraith if you don't know what you're dealing with. Uh, you got the true name of, of a Wraith and you're a necromancer, you're probably in a pretty good spot. But do you have the true ra- true name of all of his friends that he has made... And all of the connections that he's made inside of the wraith world. So
1: yeah. now are you, are you mostly talking about the the Giovanni?
0: There's the Giovanni, but there's also uh, nec- necromancy that happens in Mage, and um, there is a little bit of necromancy, I think that happens inside of uh, uh, werewolf, but not much. Um, and I think the silent striders yeah. are the only ones that really deal with, uh, necromantic kind of stuff. And it's, it's not like necromancy in the same kind of sense as what the Giovanni or even the Euthanatos do or anything like that.
1: I'm trying to remember what's, uh, what's the Western hemisphere tribe that is associated with, um, South America is that Uctena,
0: um,
1: I think it's Uctena.
0: I'm not sure. It's been a while. Um,
1: I'm pretty sure it's Octenna, but and I and I seem to remember that they have a connection to the Dark Umbra.
0: I think you're right, um, but yeah. in any case, there's a lot of the, all the other games kind of touch on using Wraith to a certain degree, and usually it's as tools. Um, you know, like the Giovanni specifically, as you pointed out, are really bad about it. They just are like, oh. I'm a Giovanni. I will get a hold of any, you know, anybody that's died. All of them have wraith, and I can, I can just subvert any one of them to my will, and I have no repercussions from the wraith society. In fact, there is no wraith society. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, and uh, and so you know, almost all of that is not true. You know, there is a wraith society. There are not, uh, not everybody is a wraith, and some of the wraith that you're going to be summoning to take control of might be extremely powerful, <laughs> like might be more powerful than you. Um, even if they've only been in the Wraithlands for a certain amount of time, because, you know, you know, adventure crazy shit happens sometimes.
1: And <laughs> that, uh, that might be an interesting, uh, plot to just, dis- uh, to explore in our possible upcoming Wraith game.
0: Yes. Um, definitely something that I want to deal with is that you're going to be dealing with some necromancers at some point that are going to be messing with you
1: and and I I look forward to uh, destroying them.
0: Yes. Um, So I think moving forward, though, let's just really quickly um, kind of run through the lexicon here because we've been using a lot of different words here, and I just want to make sure that everybody is kind of, um, you know, has a little segment here to kind of get caught up on what all these different words can kind of mean. Um, so there's Arcanum, which I don't think we've really used, um, but Arcanum are are the powers of Wraith, um, and they're, you know, they do have specific powers that they can do, but they also kind of leave it open-ended for you to kind of make up your own powers based off of the powers that they provide to you, um, but for the most part they have listed powers that it's kind of easy for you to go, okay, this is what my Wraith is capable of doing,
1: um, yeah, and level. they're they're roughly equivalent to the um the vampire disciplines, right? Yeah, I would say very similar to uh, vampire disciplines
0: with a little bit of mix of having everything is more like a level six and higher in the sense that you can you can kind of make up your own stuff with level one one through five. you can also just make stuff up, but you have to buy it, you know it's so it's 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 very much like disciplines. Uh, yeah, I was, I was
1: going to say it might be like spheres from Mage, but uh, it's not because they've got like specific powers for each dot.
0: Right. And they is- also, if you want to buy a special power, you have to buy that, that dot with experience again. Like you can buy the power again. You can buy level one multiple times and have multiple level one powers. Or at least that's what first edition talks about a lot. Um, is the idea of being able to expand
1: on the uh, Power yeah, to a they, certain degree, they might have changed it, but I have not read that section yet, so yeah, it's fine.
0: Um, but in any case, it's very much disciplines, um, or they have specific powers at every level that and it tells you exactly how to do that power, which is kind of nice. So, comparatively to mage, um, there's byways which we haven't talked about, but these are paths that are through the Tempest that take you to different realms, um, and so there's the, um, let's just touch real quick here on the tempest, um, since it's brought up here. The tempest is basically an, um, an eternal raging storm um, of the underworld that's kind of underneath the shadowlands. Um, you kind of think of, can think of it as like a huge storm and a raging sea, and there's these like byway rivers through this ocean that are like ways that are safer um and easier to kind of get through the tempest and um ferrymen of old used to cart you around and get you to these um far lands or these uh far what was that uh far shores to go go to the shining one that would teach you how to transcend um
1: yeah but and One important thing is the the byways do not require a ferryman.
0: It does not require a ferryman, but it does require yeah, the power of the ferryman. Basically, the um, the one that all, like the power that all ferrymen have. Basically, it's Argos, uh, the ability to transverse right. the uh, tempest.
1: Yeah, but the ferrymen can travel like through the actual tempest. Right? Oh
0: yeah, they can, well they can do crazy stuff because they're all ancient, you know, super powerful wraith from back in the day that have done stuff uh, to themselves to make them even more powerful and caused a lot of pain by doing so. Um, so there's transcendence, um, which we kind of touched base well, on before, actually, but nobody really knows,
1: you know, um, what that could, is. Can we get back to to byways just, just briefly? Yeah. Um, the, uh, so if I was going from the Shadowlands, the, the the Dark Reflection of Earth, to Stygia, I would be using the byways, right?
0: um well you would use first you would have to find one of the cracks which i thought that i had um harrowing nope uh, let's see here i thought that there there's like cracks inside of the um shadowlands that's it's called something different but those allow you to get down to the tempest and then once you're in the tempest you'd use the byways you get from the you know the location that you popped out at from your necropolis or wherever you popped out from and use a byway to get yourself to stygia or any other
1: um place. Yeah. yeah uh yeah the openings are called knee Hills or Nihills. yeah um although the section in the book doesn't say that naihills connect to byways. Not necessarily. So,
0: it, it's not necessarily that it, it would connect to a byway, but you would want to find a byway, and it's possible that you'd pop out near one. You might not, though.
1: Yeah. I I, I just sometimes think, or I'm I'm starting to think that there are direct connected byways to uh, like different parts of the Shadowlands. Right. That then connect to different. Parts of the the tempest.
0: Correct. Yeah. There's. Yeah. Basically, it's kind of like an under um, a a road system that was built during the ro- the Roman times actually, and a little bit after the Roman times. um yeah. That uh, was built by a bunch of wraith in order. Not all of them. A lot of them were built by the the ferrymen or just natural um, existence. But there's a bunch of them that were actually built by. Um, Stygia basically went out and built the Roman road roads of of uh, the underworld.
1: Yeah. All right, uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's keep going.
0: Let's see here. So we talked about the call that ectoplasm that kind of stops you from being able to be fully awake until it's removed. Um so Charon or Char Char Charon, right?
1: Uh I would say Charon or Charon.
0: Charon, 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 these, Sharon, Charon, Sharon, Caron. All these these uh <laughs> possible pronunciations.
1: Great and powerful Sharon. This
0: great and powerful Sharon. <laughs> um is the uh, founder of the hierarchy, and uh, recently, like in the 60s, I think 60s or 40s, something like that. I think it was the 60s though that he went. Uh, he went missing, but he's been basically around since you know the Greek times, basically running. The underworld, um, or at least the Western underworld. There's a whole, you know, thing about all the different other underworlds that exist out there, um, which we're not going to touch base on, I don't think, in this episode. But in later episodes, we'll probably talk a little bit more about the different uh, wraith realms that exist out there. Um, But for the most part, we're going to be talking about the Western world, uh, wraith world. Um, And so he builds um, Stygia and kind of runs this you know and the interesting thing that i find about that is that in most of the other world of darkness games the leaders have come and gone and and fallen since the greek times like so if you'd go back to any other game and say okay we're going to go back to the greek world and take a look at who's been running this stuff and then we're going to move to 1990 uh or 1960s you know 1960 exactly I, you know i'm pretty sure that he's still alive at that point any other thing is said like oh our guys have died off or have fallen asleep or you know no longer involved in the major politics of what's going on um even uh porthos um and you know the the mages that are around even Tremere, all those people are are not from, you know, not as old as Sharon even close to as old as he is. Like, he's thousands of years older than they are already, I believe. I think he's like a first, yeah, I think he's a BC character, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, in uh, in my lexicon, in the revised edition, or edition two, I don't remember, uh, it says he's been missing since 1945.
0: 1945, okay. Yeah. So you yeah, know he
1: he's right after theoretically the two. first ferryman, right?
0: Um, I don't know if he's the first ferryman, but he's definitely like considered the most powerful ferryman. Um, and he's also the only ferryman that didn't do something to himself to make him more powerful. And that kind of gets uh, there's a whole meta plot regarding that, um, and we might go into that in later episodes. But if you're just for a touch base on Wraith here, I don't want to give you any spoilers on some of the crazy stuff that goes on with the ferryman and Sharon and, and why he's missing and what the heck is going like they, they explain it and it's a really well done story. Um but that I just find it really interesting that there's one main leader throughout almost all of history regarding Wraith, you know, all the history that really matters is all about one super leader, you know, up until the nineteen forties. Yeah. Um so let's see here, um, I don't think, uh, the the next big one I think we should talk about is fetters, really, um, the things that tie people yeah. to the living world. Um, so, you know, we kind of touched base on it, but, um, you know, most wraith are very passionate or have a, a strong passion that ties them to the world. And that kind of fuels their powers um to a certain degree but fetters are what really allow you to kind of hang out in the shadowlands and not get stuck inside of the tempest if you if you lose your fetters you can't go to the shadowlands anymore there i think you might have to have like high level powers in order to get back to the shadowlands you're basically stuck Mm in the far shores and the tempest Uh,
1: okay but uh uh, yeah Fetters are one of the the actual mechanical parts of this game, right? Mm -hmm.
0: And it is also uh, a mechanic that a lot of people should be able to quickly and easily be able to kind of latch onto if they know any ghost lore, um, you know, type stuff. There's usually, like, their body, almost every, uh, most lore regarding ghosts is, like, you know, their body is what's tying them to the the earth if you burn it or destroy it you can or find the hidden body that's you know been locked up in the wall Um, you can bring the ghost to rest if it uh you know there's different you know supernatural kind of does that and other ghost lore stuff that i've seen
1: out there there's an old uh issue of constantine that i found that was uh that was about that his his father uh wouldn't rest he like, showed up as a ghost, and it turned out that when Constantine was young, he was pissed at his dad, and so he had cast a spell that uh, made a sympathetic bond between this cat and his father, and so Constantine had to go and find where he had buried this cat and burn it so that the, the sympathetic energies would dissipate, and his father could you know, move on to the next cycle. Yep. It was... It was an inter. I mean, late '80s, early '90s. Constantine, shit was good. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so fetters are things that were basically important to you, uh, that that hold you in. So, like typical things are like wedding rings and uh, gifts, anything that was emotionally resonant. Right.
0: Yep. Um, and and you can kind of go with a lot of objects or people or locations. Um, and you know it—it's it, kind of open, but it also means that you know some people use it to game the system because it's—that uh, is one thing about Wraith is that the passions and the the fetter uh, openness that there is to it really is up to the GM to really rein in the player if the player is like, "Well, I want Yosemite National Park." It's like, "Well, okay, you're fetter." <laughs> is, what? <laughs> like. That's not going away. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to blow up Yosemite.
1: No. <laughs> yeah. Although you you could choose something that is extremely, like, is going to be extremely long-lived.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, But it's, you know, once again, Wraith is much more about, you know, not gaming the system as much as having fun with the system which is i think leads us into the next thing um which is i think the shadow is what we should talk about next because
1: um okay yeah that's, we're that's talk... another big mechanical part of the game
0: right so and and this is where you know the game is designed to have a lot of fun built inside of it instead of it being like a game of mechanics to to uh to, to fight with the GM and fight a monster and stuff like that, You're, the players are all going to be fighting with each other because there's this mechanic called the Shadow. Um, so uh, I'll let you, Mike, uh, I think, uh, go deep into the start off here with the Shadow, um, see what you... Yeah,
1: you can, you can fill in the blanks because I don't know everything about it. Um, but mechanically, the way it works is each character has essentially a second character sheet. That is called the shadow and it represents the negative aspects of your uh personality the the greed the vindictiveness the hate uh etc and what happens at typical tables is those shadows are given to other players and they have the option to basically whisper to your character and try to convince them to do bad things. Like steal and murder and lie and cheat and all these things. And apparently they have powers which are called thorns. Uh, which I haven't read about yet. Um, but actually, let me let me read the list of the different archetypes for Shadow. Just to kind of give you an idea. Uh, the abuser. The director. Uh, the abuser is easy. The director will take you apart with clockwork precision. Uh, the freak. Gleefully perverse, the freak is an expression of pure self hatred. Uh, yeah, I can probably go through all these. Uh, the leech. It's a black hole for attention and affection. And no matter how often you give in to its demands, it's never enough. Uh, the martyr. By constantly demanding that you give of yourself because you can take the pain better than anyone else can, the martyr cheapens your faith and indulges your arrogance. Uh, The monster, whatever it wants, it will command you to take. Whatever it hates, it will demand that you destroy. Uh, The parent, which I think is probably the most psychologically damaging one for most people. Uh, No one else can love you as much or as well as the parent, no one else can take care of you as well or make you happy. The parent even accepts all your little imperfections, which she'll harp on endlessly in order to prove to you that she loves you, despite your nearly infinite flaws.
0: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's probably going to be mine in the game and it's going <laughs> to hurt. Uh, the perfectionist uh, performs seven impossible things before breakfast and he'll be screaming at you for not having pulled off eight. Uh, the pusher he wants you to think of him as a friend a friend who can always ask you can always ask for help of course the price for the pusher's help is always too high Uh, and last is the rationalist calmly leading you down the path to oblivion it offers rationales and explanations for why you should do what it says it offers proof for the wisdom of everything it tells you making all of its suggestions seem so sensible that's That's Fox News, actually.
0: It's
1: just
0: Fox News. But, uh, I mean, it's it's an interesting um, concept because the other players get to play, like, the shadow of another player, basically. So you get another character. So you get two character sheets in this game. One's your character sheet, and the other is somebody else's shadow's character sheet and then that shadow has powers and abilities usually that, you know, can assist and help and hurt um, in the long run. Uh, you know, it's, it's, some of them are to assist the wraith, and then it helps, the it gains angst for the um, shadow to try and use it on other things that can hurt the wraith, but it's all about basically you're playing the part of the psyche of the player uh, or of the character for another player and you're going to whisper in their ear and you're going to talk to them about you know and tell them to do stuff and make deals with them and try and convince them to do bad stuff or you know some of the really bad powers are like you get to take you know when the when they fall asleep you're in control like there is one of those um, Power oh, yeah. inside of it, like it's there's some crazy powers out there for you to be able to do some nasty things to people, and there's a lot yeah. of stuff about making deals. You make all these crazy deals, regardless of powers, everybody's able to make um, yeah, a few cause... deals with your shadowed in order to get extra dice on rolls and stuff like
1: that. Yeah, because you can you can ask them for help sometimes, and they'll give it to you. Uh, am I right in saying that the the main point of the shadow is to to push you towards oblivion um, to
0: push you and as many other people and things towards oblivion as possible. Okay. Um, the, the weaker, the psyche, the re- weaker, the wraith and the weaker, the, the shadow, the more likely that it's, just going to want to drag you down. Um, but you know, the more powerful you get and the more involved you are with other things, the more likelihood that you can take down multiple things, the the more likely that your shadow isn't going to want to take you down as much as it wants to take everything else down around you, and then you.
1: Wow, that's pretty devious. I had not thought of that one. <laughs> that's the scariest but, one, you know. Yeah, although I, I'm just kind of thinking in terms of like uh, what I was talking about before. Like, not everybody becomes a wraith. Uh, what I would say in those those situations, it's like as your your passions and your fetters are holding you. Towards the the skin lands, if if you're a person whose shadow is just that powerful, it's just it completely breaks all those immediately, and you bypass becoming a wraith and just go straight to being down to oblivion.
0: Right, which is what which a is... lot of people believe. There are a lot of wraith believe.
1: Yeah. Um, what else was I going to ask about the shadow? No, I think that's it.
0: Um so there is a there is a whole political system it's called the hierarchy um and um you know there there is a whole political body and system behind wraith Um, and it's very um roman to a certain degree with a feudal-esque kind of system as well um and Like, the main thing that I do know is that they they have these legions, these armies and police that run around and do a bunch of enforcement for the hierarchy, and a lot of it is about fighting specters, um, as well as fighting the renegades and the heretics. Uh, Renegades are basically straight up the rebels, you know, fighting the hierarchy. Um, And then there's the heretics who believe in the... uh, in in transcendence which the uh sharon and and um the hierarchy have deemed as being not true anymore like they don't believe in transcendence and they don't believe people should work towards transcendence even though that was a the, the whole basis behind what they were originally doing
1: yeah, I mean, I don't know much about that, but uh, from what I've read so far, uh, yeah, the Renegades and what were the other ones? The, uh, the the Heretics. Heretics. Oh yeah, the Heretics, especially. It's it's just cult after cult after cult who have a different interpretation of what the hell is going on down here cosmologically. Right. Uh, and so, so like once you get down into the Tempest. And like try to make a way for yourself unless you've already been uh, either enslaved or conscripted. like if you can you know kind of get around those two things, there's gonna be a bunch of people coming to you and being like, "Have you heard the good word about you know how we live on the uh, the toenail of a giant?" Right. And uh, all we have to do is swim far enough out into the tempest and we'll you know get to the cuticle, stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, and, and there's be... going to be there's just going to be thousands of those cults in the, the necropoli of the tempest and the necropoli of the shadow lands and are my understanding is they are not the same.
0: Well, there's no necropoli really of, of the the tempest. It's more realms in the tempest. Um, but uh, ne- necropoli mm-hmm. are more just the Shadowlands and considered colonies of the of Stagaia.
1: Yeah, but isn't Stygia, like, a necropolis?
0: Not necessarily, because it's inside of the Tempest. Like, I, th- I think it might have been one at one point, but I-, I believe that it's no longer considered a necropolis, it's considered a realm.
1: I could be I could be wrong on that, but... Oh, you're right. You're right. Most necropolis can be considered colonies of Stygia. and a part and parcel of the hierarchy centered on a citadel and divvied up into domains hierarchy necropoli are relatively stable places for the dead to dwell and that is yes in the shadowlands yep
0: so yeah there's two different interesting types of games that go on here is you've got the one game that happens that um, in the shadowlands and can deal with humans a little bit more even though there's a whole rule by the hierarchy that says no interactions with the living um, but in order to get all of your passions and stuff there's only two ways of getting passions from what i've been reading the um, and my understanding is that one is to get them from the living and the living exhibiting that passion is what will make you get pathos from that the other way of getting passion or pathos is by doing the, um, intent of the, um, of the passion or the, uh, uh oh, what, what was, dang it, I had, had it, uh, I had just read it about this, but basically there's like, um, basically if you have the passion of, um, um, love and your passion is to, um, you know, protect your children. You know, that's your um, intent, or what? What? It's not intent. It's uh. Shoot, let me see. The... Pull this up here real quick. I wish I had this. Thought it is this
1: a me- is this a mechanical thing?
0: It's kind of a mechanical. It's yeah. Basically, it's a it's a mechanical thing for getting passion or pathos. Um, so.
1: Passions. So, P P oh, Yeah, Pathos is one of the
0: Pathos. Passions. One yeah, of in seven. the in
1: in the game that we played, I remembered like uh, like my passion was lust, and so like or no. Um, well, regardless of what it was, I went to like a dormitory shower maybe it was existential dread and there's a lot of that in dormitories and colleges um, but it was just like I was feeding off of people having strong emotions and that filled my pathos but I had to like roll something I think it was probably one of the powers
0: well, there is powers that deal with getting passion out of them, but there's also, so there's passions just in base of it, which is um, wraith are creatures of passion, and as such they need to, uh, re- a reason to exist beyond death. Each passion consists of a statement of goal, or a statement of a goal, i.e. protect my ba- daughter, avenge my death, followed in parentheses by the emotion that responds to, uh, responds to it, love, anger. Each character has 10 points to assign um, to passions after you have chosen all of the listed of all of your passions rating, 1 through 5, um, blah, blah, blah. And then there's, let's see here.
1: Yeah, I don't know where in this book it's going to talk about how to gain them back.
0: Here we go. Um, Okay, so this is uh, what I was talking about here. Okay, so drawing pathos from pure emotion can be difficult. Let's see here. In any scene where a character can sympathize with the emotions of the living, the player rolls the dice equal to the number of dots in their passion. The difficulty of this action is usually eight. For each success, the wraith gains spiritual power called pathos. Some examples of these passions are love, anger, faith, hope, lust, blah, blah, blah. Um, The pathos trait... Uh, represents the wraith's attunement to the real world by understanding the essence of life. The wraith gains uh, strength, allowing her to interact with the world around her Um, with wraith's powers, blah, blah, blah. So basically, um, let's see here. Draws upon pathos. Okay, and then you use it for powers. Okay, so here's another one. Drawing pathos from pure emotion can be difficult. Feelings are sometimes unfocused, and sympathy is not always complete. Uh, however, a wraith can become even stronger when passion is directed towards a purpose. For instance, a wraith may be driven by love, but her power with, will be greater if her reason goes on depending. Uh, if her reason to go on depending depends on saving her loved one from danger. Um, in any scene where Wraith works towards fulfillment of a purpose, that's what it is. So you have, you have a passion and then you have a purpose. And if you work towards that fulfillment of purpose, um, the storyteller um, will request that the player roll against a passion. If in that scene the purpose specifically addressed, it'll be a difficulty of six, and um, but the example that they give is, for instance, a wraith may be driven by the passion, of, avenge my death, vengeance. If the character specifically played through a scene wherein she came closer to finding her killer, the difficulty, as stated above, would be difficulty six. On the other hand, if the wraith acted as a vigilante and protected an innocent, or, uh, you know caught a serial killer or killed a serial killer a wraith would be fulfill uh, fulfilling the purpose in a general sense and it would be at a difficulty of seven Um, so you can either get it from the mortal world doing this um, doing these having these passions around them or for you to try and fulfill a specific purpose
1: that you have with your passion and it can be a general yeah in the um uh in the second edition book uh they actually have examples in the example of character creation so i'll just uh read these uh pride uh passion is pride uh and the specific thing is keep anyone from discovering my secret uh there's four of them here so the second one is envy Keep my greatest rival from succeeding. Uh, Third one is love. Protect my favorite book. And then the last is curiosity. Learn about mages. So like in each one of those cases, you could fulfill curiosity, but not learning about mages. But if you were fulfilling curiosity, learning about mages, the difficulty, I guess, would be lower. Yes.
0: So it dictates your difficulty, basically. But you can get passion, um, From either trying to fulfill a purpose or from, you know, people doing that passion around you. So it's a lot easier to get it by doing stuff than it is from people doing stuff around you. And truthfully, with the limitation of you're not supposed to even be able to go to or interact with the living world. um,
1: Yeah, I I think along those lines, I think... The reason that that's built into the setting is because if it weren't, if there weren't like a kind of uh, authority going around saying like, hey, stop messing with the skin lands. Like it, it, the world of darkness would just be nothing but constant haunting. Like right. People would just be like, oh yeah, ghosts are obviously real and they keep fucking with me. <laughs>
0: Obviously we have a ghost problem here. I mean
1: Yeah. So so Caron goes like, Hey, don't fuck with the skin lands and then like all the people under him are like going around being like, Hey, stop fucking with them. So you kinda have to you kinda have to do it on the down low. Yep. So and that's that's a good part of the game because it's uh there's uh there's an insetting uh consequence for messing with the living.
0: Right, yep. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's an interesting, and it, it creates like this whole, uh, there's lots of stuff that you can do. And speaking of which, I think we're kind of getting to the point where we're going to wrap up here, but um, I think uh, one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about real quick here was just that we are doing a consideration of doing a, um, you know, two person game basically of, um, with one GM, two players of Wraith, where we kind of change it up. Um, you know, different setting each time, and possibly a different second guest um, every episode, and kind of doing a wraith game um, that's kind of small and kind of deals with you know possibly artifacts and finding souls and stuff like that. Or, you know, being a reaper and an artifact hunter to a certain degree, or I don't know. We're not yeah. sure exactly what we're gonna do,
1: but yeah, and and I'll just explain that. Uh, so so in the past week. Uh, you told me that we were going to do an episode on Wraith because somebody, like, was it a Facebook comment or something? I can't remember. And I was like, okay, we're going to do Wraith. Let me read, because I'm not super familiar with it. And then as I was was reading it, I was like, we should, like, the way I like to learn about this stuff is by playing. So I was thinking, like, okay, but we've already got Technogate going. Well, what if we do this... And so I came up with the concept of it's just UGMing. I'm the player. Uh, We have a, you know, we work together to create a pretty complex character. And then we have a guest uh, second player each, each episode. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so if anybody actually, whoever wrote that comment should probably contact us and be like, whether or not you want to be a, a guest on one episode.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I would be down for that. Yeah, we're kind of gonna kind of open it up. I think we're gonna start with a few episodes where maybe even do like a, you know, a singular episode on the main character in the beginning, and then maybe get a few friends involved. But the idea is probably gonna be to open it up to you know the general public and be like, hey, you want to come on to uh Twitch, you know, Wraith episode for one, uh, one run yeah, and
1: who, cool. who wants to be a guest? Star on a two-player Wraith game once every two weeks to a month. Right.
0: So, yeah. Um, So, I think with that, though, uh, we're getting to the point where we should wrap up on here. Um, Anything that you want to say before we jump off?
1: Uh, I'm just trying to look through the the Lexicon here and see if there's any, like, big one that we missed.
0: I do find it interesting in first edition Wraith that they point out specifically the Nefandi. And and it sounds really. like the uh, the second edition specifically points out you know even in one of the character examples to find out about the mage like <laughs> or mages and
1: uh, mages who have turned to oblivion I I could see them living down in the tempest yeah oh yeah so absolutely a, ooh, ooh that that would be a fun episode oh yeah that would be good um, the uh, no the only the only thought that I had uh, I think we were talking about. Um, I can't remember now, uh, but I, I remember a few years ago at uh midwinter gaming convention when we were sitting down with the Onyx Path people. And I think somebody kind of mentioned that vampire always felt like a game about adolescence. Cause it's all about like the base desires and just the idea that, you're immortal is just kind of that. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the psyche of an adolescent yep. is I'm going to live forever and I want things and I want stuff. And, and Wraith is a game about adulthood. It's you've now like, cause in a game where you live forever being a, a mirror of, adolescence because you're not actually going to live forever. Uh, a game where you're already dead and you have to deal with the darker aspects of your psyche is a game about adulthood. Because that's what adulthood is. It's dealing with the inevitability of death and the fact that you have darker impulses that are fighting constantly against your, your better impulses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I it's just... You know, and Mage and Werewolf are completely off on their own. They don't have anything to do with the the life cycle. Uh, Mage is just about having fun. But uh, but yeah, Wraith is if Vampire is about adolescence, Wraith is about being an adult. Yeah, so absolutely. I just I just wanted to get that idea out there in case anybody wants to make a comment about it in
0: nice. the future. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this on up here then, and uh, thank you all for listening and or watching, and uh, we will be back again next Sunday at uh, 7pm on Twitch, and uh, get this uh, posted on up on our podcast website immediately. Alright, have a good one. Thank you all for watching.
1: Bye, everybody.